Welcome back for another episode of the Rise Station podcast. I am your host, Pranella Harris, licensed mental health provider. My passion is to demystify mental illness by sharing with you bite-sized practical nuggets on how to live a more fulfilled life. Each week, I share a little bit of mental health education with a mix of wellness tips. I encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so that you receive alerts every Monday at 7 a.m. when a new episode is uploaded. Share this out with your friends, your family, so that they can get healthy with you. There is nothing better than a friend or loved one who wants to see you growing and thriving as well. Last week, I discussed in episode 81, the mother wound as it impacts their daughters. If you have not checked out that episode, you have homework after you listen to this episode, go back and listen to episode 81. This week, we are talking about the mother wound as it impacts the son in their adulthood. You see, a man's relationship with women is predicated on his relationship with his mother. Our families are our first teachers. We learn so much from our caretakers and our parents. The role of mother is such a profound role and can literally impact generations upon generations of individuals. Tune in next week, we will be covering the father wound. But before we get into today's episode, let's hear a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Restorative Family Services. We are a behavioral health practice. Our mission is to provide quality, affordable, and accessible mental health care to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. If you are struggling and in a dark place, we are here to help. Visit our website at www.restorativefamilyservices.com. This podcast is brought to you by Private Practice where we provide leadership training and practice management coaching specific to helping mental health professionals build their private practice to provide a much needed service for their community. Want to learn more? Visit our website at www.privatepractice.com. What is the mother wound? This concept refers to emotional wounds surrounding the mother-daughter or mother-son relationship. The mother wound refers to an injury that was sustained in childhood due to a lack of emotional availability of the mother. These wounds often manifest in adulthood as codependent behaviors and even at some points, narcissistic behavioral patterns. Children who are raised by mothers who struggle with alcohol and drug addictions or mental illness conditions may suffer from a mother wound. However, there are children whose mother provided for them physically and was unable to engage with them on an emotional level. We're going to get more into that in a little bit. So while we may spend a lifetime putting out fires that are just side effects to an unhealed inner child wound, understanding these wounds will help us heal from those wounds and also help the next generation if we have children helping our children. Because just like the saying goes, hurt people hurt people, healed people heal people. 
So if you're a member of the Rise Tribe, it is my hope that you take the information and use it to heal yourself, to shine your light and to light the candle of someone else so that they can find their light. All right. We are focusing our attention today on identifying the impact the mother wound has on her son. Before I go in any further in this information, I want to bring awareness and understanding into your healing process and not allow this content to be used as a weapon against your mother. All right. Our healing is not about anyone else but ourselves. Your mother may not have had the insight to be able to provide you with what you needed in childhood, but all those events that have led you to this very moment to listen into this podcast at this time was necessary for your healing journey. So everything we encounter can be transmuted into something we can use for our greater good. You know, you can raise your vibration when you practice forgiveness, gratitude, love, and compassion. So much of who we are were formed in our formative years before the age of seven. Depending on your perception of your childhood, you either decided to recreate the experience for your own children or establish a whole new set of experiences for your children. If you had a happy childhood, you were loved and provided for, chances are you grew up with that same expectations to have similar experiences for your child. For those of us, myself included, whose childhood did not provide a healthy example of love, attention, emotional support, boundaries, and protection, we may be more likely to unconsciously recreate that same experience in our own lives. You know, if you have not done the inner work of identifying and healing childhood wounds, chances are you might be attracting similar partners and recreating similar relationships in your own life. You're probably not even consciously aware of those wounds that exist because this is all you know. This is what your idea of love is. This has always been how it was and you just don't know anything different until you notice that you have difficulty in relationships, you fear commitment, you feel insecure, you keep attracting unhealthy partners into your life. You find it difficult being vulnerable with people, expressing your emotions. You might struggle with trying to control others, trying to caretake others, maybe people pleasing, codependency, anger, resentment. All of these things are side effects that we may or may not have gone into therapy or tried to work on individually all the time, not even knowing that the core issue of that is our attachment. It's a childhood wound that we have yet to uncover. All right. So these are all catalysts to get us to take a deeper look at our behaviors and our wounds. Children develop a solid self-esteem and a sense of security when they have a mother who is physically present and emotionally available. However, when a son is reared by an emotionally unavailable mother, the son suffers emotionally and may develop an insecure attachment. An insecure attachment with the mother in particular, making it difficult for the son to develop close relationships because there is a general fearfulness of abandonment. 
you know, and it also reduces the experience of genuine happiness in relationships later on in life. In fact, longitudinal studies show that boys who have never bonded with their mother or other caregivers are at a higher risk of being diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder or antisocial disorder as an adult and exacerbating the relational problems affecting sons of unloving mothers is the perpetual stereotype of masculinity. You know, you have to be silent, unemotional, stoic, and uncompassionate. So there are two underlying presentations of mother wounds, and we're going to get into that. You know, Children are inherently resilient and adaptable, and they develop coping strategies to survive the environment that they're reared in. So if they are disappointed when they expect emotional support from their mother, they learn not to expect it. They learn to just, you know, be okay without that so that they don't set themselves up for failure. If they are given attention by their parent only when they are catering to their parents' needs and wants. They learn that this is how they get their needs met. They get the need of attention by meeting their parents' needs. So this breeds the grounds for codependency and narcissistic behaviors, right? The people pleasing, the manipulation. So keeping all that in mind, right? So there are two types of mother wounds or two presentations, right? Sometimes you can have an overindulgent mother and a mother who lacks emotion. So let's get into the overly indulgent mother. The overindulgent mother is the mother that caters to their son's needs in which their sons don't develop a sense of separateness or self-efficacy because they are overly dependent on their mother to make all the decisions to give them validation and to do almost everything for them. So part of, you know, the child's development is to uh, gain confidence in problem solving and finding their way. But if you have a dominating mother, if you have an overbearing mother or a mother who does not allow the child to make choices about, you know, what they want to wear, choices about where they want to go to school, what sport they want to play, what they think and feel, then that robs the son of those life skills to be able to make decisions and to self-soothe and to not be reliant on external validation well into adulthood. It's teaching them to be dependent. And this can occur for a number of reasons. But when you have an unhealed mother, she might be dealing with insecurities, failed relationships in in her own life. Uh, There may be an absent father, so she looks to the son to provide the emotional support that she would get from So it teaches the son at this moment in their lives that their needs don't matter, their emotions don't matter, that they're only here to please others. And that's where you see imbalance in boundaries, imbalance in identifying their own emotions, um, their own wants and needs that need to caretake others, people please, the need to earn love, right? So this type of relationship or this type of mother-son dynamic is enmeshed, all right? And this does not help 
the son when the son is an adult wanting to get into other relationships and really feel confident and his own ability to foster healthy relationships. Then the next type of presentation we have is the mother who is emotionally unavailable to their sons, not being able to express a full range of healthy emotions openly to their son and allowing their sons to have that room to express their emotions openly to the mother as well. And this can impact their son later in life. You know, the son can grow up avoiding commitment because of fear of abandonment or just fear of being vulnerable, fear of, you know, the relationship getting too in-depth. The son may also have to deal with depression or anxiety because not really being able to process their own emotions, thoughts, feelings, while also dealing with the internal conflict that they have these emotions in the first place. Like, why do I have this? I'm a man. Society tells me I, I shouldn't have feelings and I shouldn't express them. And I'm a female or I'm acting like a female if this hurts me or if I'm sad or if I cry or anything like that. So that really does a number on the psyche of the male. Also, you know, men may struggle with low self-esteem, insecurity, and may view women who are comfortable expressing as a threat because they grew up in a environment where emotions were like not tolerated. Emotions were not processed. So it might be overwhelming if they get into relationships with women who want to express their emotions, want to talk about their emotions that might feel like a threat. They may feel more comfortable with women who are emotionally unavailable. And a lot of times you'll see them attract because they are emotionally unavailable and lack uh, the ability to be vulnerable. They will attract a counterpart who fits that bill who are emotionally unavailable. And that's where you get into toxic relationships and and things of that nature. So I want to go over a list of mother wounds and how it manifests and men in their adult lives. So some of them I've already talked about, but difficulty with commitment is one. Another is sexually promiscuous, having superficial relationships, you know, thriving off female attention, really feeling validated with the number of sexual partners that they can have or the number of attention that they can get because they have not been able to get that female attention from their mothers. So they're looking for that. They crave that into adulthood. Being stoic, struggling with being emotionally vulnerable. So really not being comfortable expressing a full range of emotions, just really having like a flat affect or a flat appearance, not really going in depth with emotions. So again, that goes back to the sexual promiscuity or the superficial relationships because you don't get past that uh, barrier. It's just the relationships are lacking of depth. Another way it can be manifest is people pleasing, caretaking others, wanting to fix others, feeling that it's their responsibility to keep everyone happy, to be emotional uh, soundboard for other people. But again, never feeling comfortable with expressing their own emotions, but they're okay to fix other people. Also feeling insecure, 
not feeling really worthy, not feeling good enough, feeling like, you know, they have to prove themselves or have to earn love in some way or have to keep people happy or people will leave their lives. Self-sabotage, you know, again, this goes back to the feelings of unworthiness, right? If you have not ever been giving attention and love when attention and love is presented to you, I'm not deserving of this. I'm not worthy of this because I'm flawed in some way. Another one is being overly rigid, controlling and dominating. Again, this is due out of the insecurity really needed to dominate, not trusting others. You know, these are adaptations and coping mechanisms that they may have developed in childhood to survive the situations that they had to survive, um, but they're not serving them in the current adult atmosphere that they're living in. So another one is extreme anger toward women, you know, and this is because there are some unresolved emotions. There's lack of forgiveness and that mother child relationship from childhood. So there's, there's resentment there. And if, you know, my mom behaved in this way, then all women are going to behave in this way. Again, because our families are our first teachers, this is the perception that we have because this is what we grew up seeing. So we can't trust them. We don't like them. They're somehow going to take us uh, for, you know, all that we got or they only are interested in us if we can provide something to them. Uh, They only want us for our money. Whatever those tightly held thoughts are can be fueling that anger toward women. Another one is untrusting of women as a whole. Again, that goes back to the anger and the resentment, that lack of forgiveness, choosing partners who are emotionally unavailable as well. So choosing partners that remind them of their mother. If the mother was emotionally unavailable, if the mother rejected them, choosing partners who won't choose them is typically what you see manifesting as they grow up. Also, another thing is it being indecisive, especially if you have a mother wound where the mother was very overindulgent or overbearing or overprotective, where they made all the decisions, criticized you for wanting to be independent or thinking independently or going against anything that they wanted or said. You typically find the males are questioning their own judgment, not very confident in their decision-making skills. Another one is inability to accept feedback or any of the slightest criticism. Again, these are wounds, you know, if they have been uh, criticized, if they have been shamed, they will grow up with that wound. The last one that I have is need for approval and external validation. Really needing other people to approve, needing their mother's approval, even into adulthood, looking for their mother's approval to make decisions and not really feeling confident to make their own decisions or fearing that the mother would reject them or abandon them if they were to make a decision that the mother wasn't in agreement with. Healing from these wounds takes a lot of patience and self-compassion. You know, changing how you have always operated in relationships is going to take some time. So be patient with yourself and also recognize that your parents may not have intentionally created the wound. You know, more times than not, 
they were wounded during those moments in your life as well. All right. So let's talk about how we can heal these wounds. Okay. So I have 10 tips for you on how to heal the mother wound. Number one is get a mental health therapist or life coach to help support you through this process. This is not an easy process. You're going to be looking at old wounds and rehashing the past. So having a professional to help guide you through that process is going to be paramount. Okay. Number two is be intentional about your healing process. So that means doing something every single day consistently. So journaling is a great way to do that. Having a prayer routine, meditating, having a meditation routine, exercising, eating healthy, but really being intentional about healing the mind, body, and soul. Number three is set aside time to be alone. Healing happens alone where you don't really have to focus on making other people comfortable or entertaining other people's thoughts. I mean, you're going to do that with your journey. You do want counsel, but you also need to set aside time to really get connected with yourself. So get comfortable with being by yourself, soothing yourself, because that's going to help you heal patterns of codependency and any other personality, things that may have been around for quite some time, but you need to be in solitude in order to address those. You need to understand your thoughts, your behaviors in order to address those. Number four is surround yourself with great mentors. So surround yourself with well-balanced people who will be a good support to you as you go through this process, who will be a ear to listen when you're feeling ruffled or unsure about something. Someone who's going to give you good counsel. Number five is practice assertive communication. Speaking up for yourself, you know, be upfront about what you expect from others and verbalize your emotions and do so in a way that doesn't violate their uh, needs as well. But it really gives uh, credence to your own uh, needs and emotions, what, what you're expecting in relationships. Number six is set healthy boundaries. So making sure that you are not taking on more than your fair share, that you are not caretaking others, that you enter relationships that are reciprocal. And, you know, sometimes if you've been used to having porous boundaries with individuals or you're used to oversharing, overgiving, overextending yourself, sometimes less is more. You know, it, it's going to take some practice to operate with different boundaries, especially if people are used to you oversharing, overgiving, and overextending yourself. They may not like it. They may buck. They may be upset with you once you start pulling back and doing less. But sometimes less is more. Sharing less, not allowing people so much input into your lives. That way they can't control as much or have as much say as to what decisions you make. But you're forcing yourself to stand in that gap when you pull back. So think about the boundaries that you need to set in your relationships. Number seven is be kind to yourself. 
Again, this is a process. It's a journey. You don't have to do everything in the first week. And there might even be setbacks. You might fall back into patterns or you might fail to set a boundary and feel bad about it. But be compassionate with yourself. Okay. And then, you know, continue to show yourself kindness and just keep working at those boundaries. Number eight is practice forgiveness. Okay. And this is going to be twofold. Practice forgiveness for those who have hurt you, right? But also for those who you have hurt along this path, you know, because when we have unhealed wounds, we typically are are triggered a lot. And we may have grown up with unhealthy coping patterns and may have been unhealthy. We may have been the toxic ones in the relationships. So really, Forgiving yourself for that, but also making sure that you can make amends wherever possible, but also forgiving those who have hurt you as well. This thing called life is a journey. Um, We're not always going to hit home runs. Sometimes we falter and it's important to make amends when we do falter as part of our growth. It's a humbling experience to go back to someone and apologize for the hurt, but that's part of the growth process. And, and vice versa. It's sometimes it's hard to forgive somebody who's hurt you deeply, but it's part of the process because it's all for you. It's not for the other people. It's really so that you can move forward in your healing journey. All right. Number nine is stay present. Focus on what you can do today. If you stay stuck into the past and how those individuals have hurt you and things that they've said to you and how they made you feel, you're never going to move forward. You're going to be stuck in the past. So reminding yourself that you survived the worst and that has caused you to be who you are today and commit to every day doing something that's going to move you forward in your healing journey. The last one is let go of past hurt. You want to be able to move forward You got to cut loose those things that are weighing you down like anvils. You got to be able to make yourself a little lighter so that you can float higher and raise your vibrations. So let go of some of those things that you've been holding on for years about people who've done you wrong, what they have did so that you can move forward and have a more fulfilling life. So in conclusion, we are all put here to learn lessons and to grow. If you recognize that you have some deep wounds that continue to create blockages in your life, preventing you from having fulfilling relationships, then perhaps it's time to heal those wounds. Embarking on a healing journey is not an easy task. So be compassionate with yourself and be compassionate with your loved ones. Until next time, enjoy your day on purpose. If you have found this episode helpful, help us grow our audience. By providing us with a five-star review, you help make this podcast visible to others. Help pull others out of a dark space by showing that you care, by sharing this podcast with them. Nothing is better than a friend or loved one who wants you to up-level your life with them. Thanks for tuning in.